You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Uh Uh-huh. Like, I've been around the block, ripping up fantasy stock, working around the clock. Look at the view from the top, researching rookies a lot. No, I just be listening to pods. Yeah, one in particular, I'm just a messenger. Let me just pass on the rock. Browning, brunning, bruning, pronouncing ain't what he's doing. What he's doing is not losing, but infusing you with new things. And there's Dennis the Bennett. Yeah. The man is a menace, yeah. Building a dynasty, some of the finest things. Promise you, you won't regret it. Mm. Sly as a fox, cultured in pop. Give him his props. Here is a thought, here is a box. And you cannot compare them at all, so don't even try. Careful with the news, but when you use a take, I take up Tony Fire. I mean dire, because anyone else is a huge mistake. Whoa. Fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table. Yeah. Fantasy round table, come take a look at the crown, baby. Hey. Fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table. Whoa. Fantasy round table come take a look at the crown baby go what is going on everybody welcome to another episode of the fantasy football roundtable podcast brought to you by campus it is thursday so mr fox is with me and we are going to break down the rest of the nfc south we've got the carolina panthers and the atlanta falcons on the docket before we get to that matt how you doing on this beautiful thursday Doing pretty good. Uh, it's been very hot here. So uh, summer has kind of uh, sprung into shape. We had our first 90 degree day uh, today. So it was definitely shorts weather. Yeah, it's uh, it's picked up a little bit, which is weird for Texans. Because, I mean, we're talking about it's June 10th now. I'm trying to remember what day it actually is. It's, uh, the real feel outside right now is 102 in Texas. So I do feel your pain on that. But uh, we've got... Um, it's like the first time all year it's really gotten that hot, which is weird because usually in Texas, you're talking about like early May, it is this hot outside. So I think for me, at least I'm a little bit thankful that it's taken all the way till June 10th to get this hot outside. But uh, before we get into it, I did talk about this last week. Um, so, you know, due to me wanting to stay married, it was actually just mine and my wife's eighth anniversary. I did not watch Loki. Uh, she, she wasn't really thrilled with me uh, giving the option that I could watch it without her. So I have not watched it. We will definitely jump in and talk about the uh, first three episodes next time Matt and myself are live again in two weeks. Uh, But real quick, spoiler free, your thoughts. I assume you've watched the first episode. Yeah, I thought it was pretty good. Um, It was interesting waiting to see where it goes from here, but I thought it was pretty good. I think you'll enjoy it. 
I cannot wait. Is I, 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 you gave me a little bit of information. I think the last time we talked about it, it was probably getting closer to when it was getting ready to come out. Cause I have only seen like the very first trailer. So I have yeah. no idea what it's really about. And I, I, I saw some stuff, unfortunately, and I know who Owen Wilson's character is. Cause someone posted something on Twitter about it and, but that they really liked his performance. And I've always been a big Owen Wilson fan. So I'm definitely excited to check it out. That'll be something I get to do Saturday before I leave to go out of town. So let's talk about the Carolina Panthers. In 2020, they finished 5-11 and 11 and in third place. Their key additions, they traded for quarterback Sam Darnold from the Carolina Panthers. They bring in wide receiver David Moore, tight end Dan Arnold, and cornerback A.J. Bouye. Key losses, Teddy Bridgewater, quarterback, goes to the Denver Broncos in a trade. Mike Davis, running back, leaves in free agency and joined their rivals, the Atlanta Falcons. Wide receiver Curtis Samuel goes to the Washington football team. Draft picks. In the first round, they picked, in my opinion, the best cornerback in the draft in J.C. Horn. Still think they probably should have gone Justin Fields there, but J.C. Horn is a really good player. Uh, they do get Terrace Marshall, the wide receiver, in the second at LSU. Again, really good player. Some people very high on him. He's middle tier for me in that second group, but a really good player. Offensive tackle Brady Christensen in the third, and then Felix's favorite tight end, Tommy Tremble out of Notre Dame in the third round. What do we expect this year from year two with Matt Rule now having Sam Darnold, second quarterback, although I guess some would argue the first quarterback was not who Matt Rule wanted. Maybe this is who he feels he can build his team around. So what are you expecting out of them? Yeah, didn't they get rid of their general manager? Kind of a sign that uh, they weren't all on the same page about Teddy Bridgewater. Obviously, Carolina is eating, I think, about $7 million of Bridgewater salary in order to have him play somewhere else. Kind of tells you they were ready to move on. Yeah. I'm hoping to see – I thought their offense was pretty good. Uh, they spent all of their picks uh, in that rules first draft building the defense. That was obviously an area of need pick up a few more defensive pieces this year. Um, the big question is Sam Darnold. You know, some of us have wondered, will he ever kind of deliver on that? He was taken third overall by the Jets. Can he deliver on that talent? If he can't make it here with some better weapons and, and these coaches, I think that'll be a real telltale sign. They're committed to him for at least two years because he was a first-round rookie. They picked up his fifth-year option. They never get to see him play a game for them, and they're committed uh, for pretty decent money yep. for two years. I would think they are all in on Sam Darnold. And maybe some of it is, you know, we – we in the fantasy community, or most of us in the fantasy community, seem to be much higher on Justin Fields than at least it seemed the NFL community was as a whole, based on everything we heard and the fact that he dropped to 11. when the Was it 11 right that the Bears traded up, I believe, to, to get him? So uh, I know he didn't make it to 15. Yeah, 11. I think 13. it was 11. Because okay. that's so, they traded with the Giants. Or, or they, they traded with yes, the Eagles. Yes, I think so. I don't even remember now. It feels like forever ago, and it's only like a month ago. But yeah, I, I don't even remember anymore. But the the NFL clearly was, or at least from what it looks like, not as high on Justin Fields as we were in the fantasy community, and some of us Devi and and C two C wise that thought Justin Fields was, you know, right up there with Trevor Lawrence as one of the best prospects in this draft. They passed on him for Sam Darnold, so they must believe in Sam Darnold. Matt Rule either truly believes in Darnold or believes he can make Darnold work in his system. You know, I, I still don't expect much out of him this year. I mean, we went through and did our projections. I think I still had him finishing third in this division. Maybe they 
Renfro for the Saints, but I actually didn't have anybody in this division outside of Tampa Bay doing all too well. I think it's going to be kind of a rough year uh, for this. I division. forgot they did finish third until I started to do this process. I for some yeah, reason I, I thought Atlanta was the better team, but I should have thought about the, where they were drafting. Yeah, I didn't think about that either, to be honest with you. I was looking at this like, oh, I guess we're doing – because I think in the show thing, I actually put the Falcons first. It says 2021 preview, Falcons and Panthers. So I thought the same thing. The Falcons Uh, had probably the most high-profile 4-12 finish in the history of time. Yeah. Uh, I, but I do think that he can turn it around. You know, we talked about this a little bit, probably when the trade happened. I know I've said it before. I, I, he's shown flashes of being a really good quarterback, and I don't want to put it all on Adam Gase, but we have seen players leave from under Adam Gase or Adam Gase leave a team, you know, a la Ryan Tannehill, and all of a sudden become very successful. So I am very curious to see what he could do because I do think the other thing you can say, at least from a fantasy perspective, they made Teddy Bridgewater in this offense – very good, and I do think you can make uh, you know the argument that Sam Darnold is a better quarterback than Teddy Bridgewater. So it, it does. There's a lot of intriguing things in this offense and him being there. Dennis said that he thinks Rule will be a bit more aggressive, or at least appear more aggressive with Darnold instead of Teddy B. But the priority remains CMC, DJ Moore, Robbie, and Terrace Marshall as has a nice future. But CMC is taking those targets. So he is he thinks that they may be a little bit more aggressive when it comes to the passing game. Still could be good for CMC, obviously, with good uh, he is in catching the ball. So let's talk about the fantasy projections and fantasy finishes for the Carolina Panthers. Do you see Sam Darnold, or what do you see from Sam Darnold? Do you think he can be top 15? Dennis said that he feels top 15 is a little high, definitely within the range of outcomes, but I think I'm more comfortable in the QB 18 to 22 range. Last year, Sam Darnold did finish his QB 30, 2,208 passing yards, nine touchdowns, 11 interceptions, 217 rushing yards with two touchdowns, only in 12 games, though. Yeah. I mean, if Sam Darnold really hits in the offense, you know, he could end up being a top 15. I feel more comfortable hoping that he's a quarterback, too. I'm fearful he ends up being a quarterback, three. Um, but, you know, where to me, I think it would be a, a pretty good step forward and a pretty good success if he could finish somewhere in the 16 to 20 range. Off the cuff question here. Is he the worst quarterback in this division? The worst quarterback in this division. Well, yeah, Tom, Tom you Brady. Know, so Brady and Ryan are ahead of them. I guess yeah. it's really a question of him or Winston. Because I know you're not putting or, Taysom Hill behind him. I know you're not putting Taysom Hill behind him. So. Well, that's the thing. If Winston doesn't win the job, then Darnold isn't. And even if Winston does win the job, what Jameis Winston do we see? I, and you have to go back to, will they unlock the potential we always thought was there for Sam Darnold? You know, Darnold showed some good flashes as a rookie when Todd Bowles was his coach, and then they supposedly brought in Adam Gase to fix him. He was never – he got mono that first year, um, but actually had a really nice stretch to end that first year under Gase. That's one of the reasons Gase ended up coming back. People forget the Jets finished seven and nine. They were like six and one down that back stretch. When Darnold finally got healthy, things started clicking. 
Last year, they just seemed like a disaster from the world word go. I think he got banged up again, um, you know, because only playing 12 games. So can he stay on the field and can he ever put together it? There's a few of those guys coming into this year. I think Daniel Jones, we talked about that with him. You know, can you finally put together some of what you've seen in Denver? If Drew Locke's given a chance, can he finally? Sam Darnold's in that same boat. We've seen some flashes enough to make you moderately hopeful. So if he achieves, he could be better. But I would say you'd have to give Winston the benefit of the doubt right now because we've seen it. Yeah, I agree with you. And I don't mean that as a bad thing. I'm not saying like he's the worst quarterback yeah. in the NFL, but I think out of those four, he's probably – I mean, I think he does have more upside than Winston just because I don't think he's going to be as turnover prone. But right now, if you were in a bottle, those four, he would be the last four that I, last one I would take out of those four. Christian McCaffrey, he finished as RB54 last year, 59 carries, 225 yards, five touchdowns, 17 receptions for 149 yards, one touchdown in three games. CMC was RB1 in 2019, scored six touchdowns in three games in 2020. If he is healthy, top five, top three, how high are you putting Christian McCaffrey? Hopefully their line improves um, because as for as good as McCaffrey was, he only had 3.8 yards of carry. Mike Davis only had 3.9 yards of carry. Um, but, you know, five rushing touchdowns, one passing touchdown, only was in three games kind of tells you all you need to know about. Yeah, he was banged up, but when he was on the field, he was on. And one of those was a game after he came back from one of the injuries and then kind of got injured again. So I, I think he's certainly top five. The question is whether he's number one overall. I think we all still have him probably number one or number two overall in dynasty rankings. Um, you know, I like him long term. I think that he can finish. You know, he could go back to being the top overall back. I think he's pretty safe if he plays to be top three, yeah. considering they got six touchdowns and he touched the ball. 60 he touched the ball 78 times in the three games he was available so clearly Matt Rule wants to use him I mean why not he's he's on his second contract already you know a lot of people feel like I mean most running backs it seems like nowadays don't even make it to the second contract so you know use him while you've got him I I'm with you I think man I feel I hate giving like these absolute statements but I feel like there's no way he he is not at least a top five back with his pass catching yeah. ability rushing if he stays healthy i just i don't see it i'm trying to think who i'd put ahead of him right now because i think i have him still as my rb1 in my rankings i mean i like barkley to i will earlier i liked barkley to come back but now it seems a lot of time that he's gonna have a very slow september yeah so that worries me a little bit and then outside of him it's jonathan taylor who i have actually up there as well so jonathan taylor i what what separates CMC is probably from Taylor is probably yeah. while Taylor's not a bad pass receiver, he's not likely to put yeah. up as impressive numbers. And that's where like, while Camaro's a great pass receiver, he's not likely to put up the kind of rushing numbers. That's what just gives CMC really, if you were looking for somebody, if Barkley was 16 games at what he was as a rookie, that's neck and neck. Yeah. Well, if there's he's one other to... I'd put up there. If he's healthy, Dalvin Cook, because he does do a lot of both it's as true. well. Now he may be 
he maybe will lose some of the receptions because of, I mean, just how good Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen are together. Uh, but yeah, I, it's I, I think he should, Yeah, I think he could be up there. But yeah, I'm, I think, like I said, I have Chris McCaffrey one, actually. I'm looking at my ranks now. I have him mm. one, Barkley, two, I'm sorry, Taylor two, Barkley three, Kamara five, Cook four. So I think out of those, you know, for me, it's really just health. If he stays healthy, I don't see any way he's at worst, not top three. And I, I just, I don't see anybody else jumping him. Yeah, I, I'm the same. When he's going, and you saw enough of a sample uh, of him with Matt Rule to not be worried about usage. All right, so the wide receivers, they were a very interesting group last year. You know, again, I talked about earlier how Teddy Bridgewater kind of made, or he helped make Teddy Bridgewater make this team very fantasy relevant. All three uh, finished in the top 25. Now, Curtis Samuel is not there uh, this year. Robbie Anderson, wide receiver, 19, 95 receptions, 1,096 stars, three touchdowns. DJ Moore finishes wide receiver, 25, 66 receptions, 1,193 yards, four touchdowns. Curtis Samuel did finish as wide receiver, 24 last year. So all three of those guys in the top 25. Moran Anderson, along with Samuel, as I said, were the top 25 receivers. Will they repeat with Terrace Marshall or DJ Moore being a better or who is a better wide receiver three bet. So I think we all thought Moore was the more talented of the receivers. And I expect to go back there. I get Dennis's argument that with a, with Christian McCaffrey, there's going to be fewer targets. I went and pulled up. So McCaffrey saw 19 targets in his three games. The other 12, Mike Davis saw 70. So you're talking about those guys combining for 89 targets. If it's all McCaffrey, maybe he goes up around 100. But Curtis Samuel saw 97. Well, you got 136 to Anderson, 118 to DJ Moore. So Terrace Marshall could still end up seeing there's an extra game, still could end up seeing between 80 and 90 targets. I think he could be a wide receiver three. I think the other two probably are higher 2021 receivers. And I personally feel like we're going to see DJ Moore end up as the higher finish. I think we probably saw Robbie Anderson's Zenith last year with his wide receiver 19. He saw 136 targets. DJ Moore missed a couple of games. Also didn't seem to click with Bridgewater and maybe part of the reason that, you know, with Dennis made a comment about depth of target and more actually being more of the deep threat, that might be more the reason that you saw him fall off a little bit with uh, Bridgewater. Curtis Samuel got a lot of value because they got him involved in the rushing game as well. I don't know if we, you know, maybe we see that with Terrace Marshall, maybe not. The other unknown is going to be Ian Thomas did nothing. Um, I know you and I were put on our surprise face. They did sign Dan Arnold. He wasn't incredible uh, with Arizona, but he did have some moments. Do they start incorporating a tight end more? Do they incorporate Tommy Trumbull? All those are kind of things that could eat into Marshall. I feel pretty confident that I like two of the receivers to be in that top 24 or at least in the top 30. You know, maybe you see Robbie Anderson slide to a more 26 to 28. I think DJ Moore is going to be more in the upper half of the t- of a wide receiver too, probably somewhere in the 13 to 18 range. 
Yeah, I'm with you. Terrace Marshall, he's a guy that I've I've kind of like been back and forth on. I liked him early in the process, kind of faded off him for a little bit because of his drops, which again, I, I mean, he had seven drops, which I know doesn't sound like a lot, but for a lot of players that is, you don't even see that many. You usually typically don't see that. That's why I always used to make fun of Amari Cooper because Amari Cooper in like one season had like eight drops. And that that is a – it doesn't sound like a lot when you talk about the volume they get. You talk about 100 catches or 100 targets, but it is a lot for wide receivers. They just don't typically drop that much. Uh, I'm starting to come back around on him a little bit, though, because I do believe in Matt Rule. I believe in this offense. I was all in on him last year being a really good offense. I think that's going to continue because I do think from an arm perspective and, I mean, in all honesty, a little bit of the mobility perspective as well, I, I think Darnold's better than Bridgewater. So, And if you have CMC back fully healthy, that gives the defense somebody else to plan for. No no disrespect to Mike Davis, but CMC is the better running back. Defense is probably defensive coordinators probably stay up a little bit longer studying film on Christian McCaffrey and trying to figure out ways to stop him than they do Mike Davis. So I don't see a wide receiver two or even high end three for Marshall this year. I do think Marshall's a great guy to target. I think he's going second round in rookie drafts. I've actually taken him in like the middle of a couple second rounds. Uh, and I think that's a great yeah. place to grab him because I do think he is going to be very good in the future, but not quite this year. Cause I do think uh, CMC kind of caps his ceiling. Dennis did say that he doesn't think Marshall is a top 24 wide receiver, more likely a low end wide receiver three is his ceiling. So he thinks he's so- on that back half. Uh, you really turn the favor. The off the cuff question for you is: yeah. How many of the rookie receivers are you taking over Marshall? Obviously, we'll say probably Chase, Ooh. Waddle, and Smith. I think for all three of us would be would be above him. But then other guys that would be in kind of a consideration: an Elijah Moore, a Rondale Moore, a Rashad Bateman. So for me, I've got Jamar Chase over him, Jalen Waddle, Rondale Moore, Devonta Smith. Not in this order, just so so everybody knows. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I if you guys want my actual order, it'd be Jamar Chase, Devonta Smith. Who would I have probably gone next here? I know this is just like riveting podcasting here. Um, Rondale Moore, Rashad Bateman, Jalen Waddle. And then Marshall. So I'd have him six right Mm. now looking at my ranks. I mean, he's right. He's in the same tier for me and has been the whole time as Amon Ross St. Brown, Tylen Wallace, um, Deami Brown, you know, Dwayne Eskridge. I don't know. He's lower in that tier. Tutu Atwell. So, I mean, those are probably not Dwayne Eskridge and Tutu. Kadarius Tony. I think I have to put up there just because of the draft capital. And a bunch more somewhere in there, right? So, yeah, I mean, so those guys uh, – oh, yeah, duh, I skipped right over Elijah Moore. My goodness, my bad. I skipped right – he was right there by Rashad Bateman. But he's in Tier 2. I would have him above mm, – I'd probably have him above Terrace Marshall. So I'd move Marshall to 7. I take that back. So Marshall's 7 for me right now. But yeah, I can so see the argument for him over Moore. For me, it's it's been easy, the top three, you know, Chase Waddle-Smith. And then Bateman, I usually have four, and that's pretty. It's when where I've found myself trying to diversify when I've hit this range is not going all in on a Marshall, Elijah Moore, or a Rondale Moore, yeah. or Amon Ross, St. Brown. I've been diversifying, trying to take a few shares of each because I can make a pro con list. That to me, it feels like yeah. the toughest, and it's almost personal preference or what you think their team is going to be able to achieve. 
Yeah, and so that's why I like Marshall a little bit here. I think he's got the less questions on him than some of those other guys. Like Elijah Moore, you know, super talented, really good wide receiver. Is Zach Wilson going to be their QB of the future there? What's that offense even going to look like in a couple of years if it's not Zach Wilson? Uh, you know, another guy that I had in that, that Deame Brown. I mean, I like him, but how much is Terry McLaurin going to steal targets away from him? Curtis Samuel, Logan Thomas. I actually have a really good passing attack all of a sudden in the Washington football team. Uh, you know, Amon Ross St. Brown, a guy that I really like. I don't know what Detroit's going to look like in a year. I would not be surprised if that whole team looks completely different outside of a couple pieces on the defense and offense. So Terrace Marshall, I think at least team and building-wise around him probably has the safest future outlook, but I'm with you. I would diversify all those guys. I have a couple shares of – I've not really able, been able to get Elijah Moore because people are taking him, like, early first. And I'm just <laughs> yeah, it's going way there. So – or not early first. I think first. Have, I'm not going to take him there. I think I only have like one or two. He's Rondale Moore is another one. Sometimes I've seen him go uh, before. I've got him in the second before Bateman oh, really? or before um, Waddle. Well, that's 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 that Arizona offense right there. Everybody's all excited, especially with Cliff Kingsbury was talking him up today as well. I saw. So, but back back to the Panthers. Uh, Dennis did say on DJ Moore, he had a actually had a better A dot than Robbie Anderson. DJ Moore's A dot was three point five yards. Um, or it was 3.4, my goodness, 3.5 more yards more than Robbie Anderson. I think many are surprised it is DJ Moore, not Robbie, who is slash was the deep threat. So I am with both of you. It looks like Dennis is all on the DJ Moore train as well. I think he is going to be the better receiver. I do agree with you. I think we kind of saw peak what Robbie Anderson could be. I think he's going to take a little bit of a step back. And a lot of people are excited about him because he – you know, work, played with Sam Darnold in New York and, and did produce, but he only really that's produced like say, in the winter months of the season. It wasn't like an all-year thing. That's the only thing is if he has a more of a rapport to start out. You know, I, I'm i kind of of the two if you see Robbie Anderson have a big, uh, big week one, like especially week one because he has experience with yeah. Darnold and they're both playing their former team. Somebody may start feeling panicky about DJ more than – that's a good time to pounce. Yeah, uh, but I, I, I'm, I don't know if I'd go to, uh, 13, 15. I think probably the 16 to 20 range is where I feel comfortable with DJ Moore. And then Anderson, I think, is probably right around 26 to 30 as well. I think he's going to take – because I, I do think we have to factor in CMC is just – I think – personally he's going to be a beast and they're going to go back to him being the offense and that's going to take away I think just a little bit from those guys when they get down into the red zone I think that's the thing that could end up hurting Robbie Anderson more is not getting those touchdowns because CMC I think is going to be that guy down in the red zone so I I do think he'll be close I wouldn't be surprised if he finishes 24 but I think I'd go 26 30 range and then Terrace Marshall a little bit behind that but definitely I could see a jump up for him in the near future Tight end. You mentioned Dan Ardle. They brought him over. And I can't remember. I'm almost positive. Matt Rule said positive things about bringing Dan yeah, Ardle over. Yeah, like, was, they wanted him there. I think he yeah. – I mean, Ian Thomas, I think it's fair to – I don't want to write him off as, like, a complete bust. I don't think he's going to do anything Carolina now at this point. He's not going to replace Greg Olson like many of us hoped and thought when he first got drafted. But is Dan Arnold a guy that you're willing to take? Because he actually had like a decent fantasy season at times last year with the Cardinals. Yeah, I went to pull up his stats because whoever does these show sheets just fell down on the job. <laughs> uh, 
But he he started five games, was in all 16 for Arizona, saw 45 targets, caught 31 for 438 and four touchdowns. Not incredible, but not terrible. Um, pretty decent deal. Tight end wasn't a big part of what Carolina did last year. That, again, could be Thomas. You're not willing to write him off yet as a bust. I, I will safely call him a bust. Uh, all my shares of him feel like they went bust. I started releasing him, and I don't feel bad about that. I have Arnold has been on waivers in a lot of places that I saw this offseason. I've picked him up speculatively in a couple places. I don't know that I feel confident he ends up. I, I would say I'm pretty confident he's not going to end up as a tight end one. He could end up having some middle to low tight end two value. He could have some weeks where he's a good fill in. I'm not entirely confident of that yet. Thomas only saw 31 targets last year. Is that because of the player or because of the scheme? Could be a little bit of both. Like you and I both said, we think CMC is getting involved a lot. They have three other receivers. How much are they going to throw? They actually have a decent running game. So I think, Arnold has low end tight end two upside, but I'd be I'd predict more that he ends up kind of in that Dawson Knox to high end tight yeah. end three range. Yeah, I agree with you. I just don't think they're going to go to the tight end much. So I'm a hundred percent with you there. And it's not anything against Dan Arnold. I do think he's a talented tight end, but when you have the three wide receivers that you have and then the running back that you have, it's kind of like, okay, well, you're like the fourth, fifth option here in the offense at times, which is, is a fair thing to say. I do think he'll get some, obviously, probably I, I would imagine some stuff down in the red zone because you're going to have defenses keying in on those three guys as much as possible. So then Dan Arnold gets himself a couple touchdowns. I, I think it's one of those things where bye week fill-in, and if he gets you a couple points in that week, you need him, great. Then then you kind of came through from otherwise. I don't think he's going to be a starting tight end for me anywhere. The Atlanta Falcons finished fourth place in 2020 with a 4-12 record. Their key additions, they brought over Mike Davis, running back from the Carolina Panthers. Cordero Patterson, who is listed as a running back on their depth chart. I still don't understand that, but is what it is. Was he was with Minnesota still last year, or was he somewhere else? Uh, I, I thought he was in Chicago. Was it Chicago? It was Chicago. Yeah, you're right. Chicago. And then Tajay Sharp, wide receiver. Key losses, Todd Gurley, uh, running back. Wide receiver, Julio Jones, who they traded to the Titans. Keanu Neal, the safety, goes to the Dallas Cowboys. Center, Alex Mack, goes to go play with his uh, former coach, Kyle Shanahan, in San Francisco. Draft picks, everybody knows. First-round pick, Kyle Pitts, tight end out of Florida. They took the safety, Richie Grant, in the second, and offensive tackle, Jalen Mayfield, in the third. The Arthur Smith era begins now in Atlanta, coming over from Tennessee, their former offensive coordinator. What do you expect from the Falcons? Dennis says, I think it will take some time, but Smith will deliver. Atlanta only ran 67 more plays in Tennessee last year. I don't expect the total plays to drop off much. What are your thoughts? It'll be interesting to see what kind of style they oh, run. Oh, I get it now. Took I still don't get it. I was trying uh, to... Arthur Smith is Fred Smith's son. Fred Smith owns FedEx. I used to work for FedEx. That's what, That's how I know who Arthur Smith really is. He's his son. Oh. Because there's a lot of talk about – that's why he's so respected. We're going to go off on a a tangent here for a second on Arthur Smith. Dennis is probably when he listens to this, be like, oh, my God, come on, guys. Yeah, Arthur Smith, I think that's a – 
a lot of talk on that's why he's so respected by so many coaches because he could be set for life because of how rich Fred Smith is. Uh, mm-hmm. And he didn't do that. He went in, he grinded, got paid little money doing all this stuff, and then has now been able to make himself a head coach. So I think, was it Fred Smith actually owns a uh, stake in the Washington football team, if I'm remembering correctly. So, yeah, that, that he is the son of Fred Smith who helped create and found FedEx. So that's why he said the. Yeah, For those I of you who don't know and see like, the show sheet, it. he put, but Smith will deliver, and then he put get it, laugh out loud. And I was kind of had to think about it for a minute. I was like, wait, what does he mean? But that is exactly what he meant. So the more you know, continue. So the question is going to be what Atlanta last year was more of a, wants to be more of a passing offense. Um, they subtract Julio Jones. Arthur Smith it's not that they were a bad pass offense in Tennessee, but they were definitely a very run heavy offense. Doesn't have the line, doesn't have the personnel here. So to me, Atlanta, Atlanta's probably the team that if we're being honest, should have taken Justin Fields. Because I mean, yeah, Colin would agree with you as well on that. He was very upset when that happened. They're not in a place where I think they're competitive and they have too many aging veterans to be have started their complete rebuild. They're actually uh, a more functional Houston Texans. If, if we're being honest, they don't, they haven't stripped themselves of draft picks, but they're in salary cap heck right now. And they probably would have been better served trying to figure out if they could move on from Matt Ryan and Julio Jones. Not that I think Matt Ryan's still a good player. I think there's still a chance he ends up as a quarterback one this year, but they, they do, they feel much further removed from their Super Bowl appearance than, than they would like to believe in. They don't have money to get free agents. They need to start building younger. I, I get the Kyle Pitts generational talent, but they probably would have been better served getting a new franchise quarterback and really starting over, which is a shame for Calvin Ridley. Right now, I feel like they're going to be caught kind of in this. I think we probably both feel they're the worst team in the division still. Yes. And that's yeah, no knock on Arthur Smith. It's I hope they give him a couple of years to see what he can really do. Yeah, I I mean, I was saying that from the beginning. We did our little NFL mock draft, and I said I thought this would be the perfect place for him to go. I mean, Justin Fields is a Georgia kid. What better way to live your life than to go in there? Maybe if he didn't even play this year, it was still the Matt Ryan show. They let Matt Ryan go. Justin Fields then takes over Savior, the franchise where he grew up. I mean, that's a great story. I think he could have done it. I'm with you. I don't know why they took Kyle Pitts. It would have made more sense to me if if he was like this generational talent in the fact that he was like such a great blocker as well. But, you know, I was reading a Colin was talking about it, I think, either in our Slack channel or somewhere. I don't, they were talking about how he didn't line up in the same spot one time in practice the other day. Like they're moving him all over for formation. That's great. But he's not like a game-changing wide receiver. He's still a tight end. Even if you put him uh-huh. at wide receiver. Like um, no, he's not. He's not Julio Jones. He doesn't have the speed to like burn you down the field like that on cornerbacks and safeties. Like, does he have the size on him? Yeah, absolutely. But he doesn't like when he's going up against linebackers or like the third string cornerback who lines up on him if he goes in the spot. Yeah, he's probably gonna be able to beat him. If you go put Jalen Ramsey on him, I'm gonna put my money on Jalen Ramsey. You go put Denzel Ward on, I'm gonna put my money on Denzel Ward. You go Chris Harris, I'm gonna put my money on Chris Harris. Like. 
I, I mean, I think what they're counting on though is is Ridley is going to get those guys, and they're probably probably the huge the yeah, biggest winner in true. the Julio Jones trade was Hayden Hurst, who now is probably going to play traditional tight end where they do move Kyle Pitts around, and he ends up being a de facto second wide receiver. I'm not saying it's going to work, but I, that's kind of what they're stuck with now. That's their best. Yeah. I, I like Mike Davis fine. We had wondered if he was going to get a chance to be the guy. Yeah, this doesn't feel like well, his grace, his best. No, because he's not, Lions not great. He he, and he's not Derrick Henry. Like everybody keeps talking about how well, hey, buying him because of the offense that Arthur Smith ran with Tennessee. Well, he had Derrick Henry. I mean, as much that as the picture I, of his quads. Yeah, like, I mean, well, uh, let's not go quad talk because everybody freaks out about a nice pair of quads now, it seems. Uh, I, I mean, Derrick Henry, as much as I like to shit on him, is like one of the best running backs in the NFL the past couple of years. I feel like ever since he started listening to this show and we called him out, dude's been a baller since like that second half of the season two years ago. Tennessee, three years ago, welcome. even. Yeah, exactly. You're welcome, Tennessee. We unlocked Derrick Henry for you, not Arthur Smith. It was us. And he's been awesome. Mike Davis is not that, so I don't think they're going to run that kind of offense. I think they're still going to run the ball a lot. I do think he's built around those play-action passes. So it's going to be a very interesting offense. You know, I, I'm just – I really don't know what to think because I don't think their wide receiver core, even adding Kyle Pitts, who I like. I mean, I've, I called on Debbie mm-hmm. to for him to have the best rookie tight end season of all time. I mean, he's going to put up 1,200 yards and like 10 touchdowns, according to what I said, or else I have to sing the Michigan fight song. So, Kyle Pitts, come through for me, baby, because I really don't want to do that. But it, all that being said, I'm just not – I just I, I don't know what to think. But let's talk about their fantasy projections and finishes. So, Matt Ryan did finish his QB 12 last year, 4,581 yards, 26 touchdowns, 11 interceptions. 92 rush yards and two touchdowns. Good for him. I would not have expected that last part there. I know. Is Matt Ryan still a QB1? Dennis said he thinks so. The Falcons will be playing from behind and riding the arm of Matt Ryan. Your thoughts? I think he potentially is too. I But he, uh, to me, his range of outcomes is probably 10 to 15. So yeah. he could end up as a high-end uh, quarterback too. You know, he was right on the cusp there last year. There was no Dak. Um, There was no Trevor Lawrence. There was only a partial season of Joe Burrow. So he's right there. He doesn't have the rushing necessary. I mean, yes, 92 yards, two touchdowns is better than some people, but he doesn't necessarily have the sustained rushing that keeps some of those guys up in that conversation. So he could be. He's on the cusp. Um He's often drafted like he will be, but I wouldn't be shocked if he ended up as quarterback 14 either. Yeah, I am going to say no. Uh, We talked a little bit about this last night, and I wish I could remember what Chris Moxley said. He comes in at the end of our Debbie Debate shows and kind of gives us some other stats, things that we got wrong. And he talked about how Matt Ryan isn't quite as good as we think he is without Julio Jones. He talked about how he scores like – I think it was like 3.5 or 4 fantasy points less a game without Julio Jones. Uh, The yards go down a little bit. So I do think he's going to take a little bit of a step back, not much. I have him at about QB14. So still a high-end QB2. I just think, as you just mentioned, Trevor Lawrence, maybe he goes up there this year, but Dak for sure. I don't see a lot of the guys who finish in the top 12 possibly falling out of there. You know, I I don't know where – 
where did Matt Stafford finish last year? I don't know. Stafford was that. outside. Stafford's he a guy was. that I would put up there as well. I mean, there was one guy. I know Tom Brady finished up there. Like I can see him. I think he, he was, was eight. 10, 8. Okay, I can see him falling like a couple spots, but not out of the top 12. So there's a couple guys I think will jump up in there that will push Matt Ryan back a little bit. Again, I think 15 is probably the worst you'll see him fall. I don't expect him to fall off the map. Although I do agree with something Austin said last night when we were talking about the Julio Jones trade and that he said this, and I agree with him. I think when Matt Ryan's time comes, it's not going to be like a slowly down the hill. It's gone. Just like Eli Manning. It's like good and then just done. And, and I do think that that is probably Matt Ryan's future as well. But I do think he's going to be good this year. Probably still next year as well. But I do think the end is coming for him. For their running backs, Mike Davis was RB12 last year with Carolina. Had 165 carries, six, 642 yards, six touchdowns, 59 receptions, 373 yards, and two touchdowns. Dennis said on him that I think Davis can duplicate the numbers from last season. You'd have to consider it a successful season. I, I do agree with that. I mean, obviously that was in a limited amount for the most part with uh, CMC. I was it seems he was in three games, right? We just talked about this and I already forgot. Yeah, so that, Davis so. started 12 and appeared in 15. Uh, but let's see here. So the RB room is a work in progress with Patterson and Davis joining Quadri, Allison, and Javian Hawkins. Who is the lead back and can Davis be an RB1 again? Dennis said, I think that Davis will lead the committee, but it will be a committee. I don't think anyone rushes for more than 800 yards. I'd rather gamble on the San Francisco backfield. I disagree with that part, but go ahead. Well, in terms of gambling, you know, if you're gambling, I, I feel more confident if you're talking about Atlanta and San Francisco. I don't know that you can feel 100% confident on the one guy you're putting money on in San Francisco out of a crowd. Uh, whereas Atlanta, Mike Davis is probably going to be the lead guy, but we saw him get to be the lead guy. For Carolina, Carolina arguably has a better offensive line than Atlanta does. Um, so if he is in the 165 to 180 carry range, I was considering he was an RB1 last year. That's not a very high rushing yardage total, 642. He wasn't making it as a rusher. He was doing it by volume PPR, which we have not always seen Matt Ryan dump dump off a ton maybe he will maybe he won't and if you were even looking at arthur smith's system you could say it's in part because henry doesn't profile as a pass catcher but they even when they had Dion lewis he wasn't lighting the world on fire as a pass catcher in tennessee so i think mike davis is probably a middle to low end rb2 um i think they do get behind a lot and end up having to chuck it their defense is also still not great yeah, I, I do think, you know, Dennis mentioned it earlier in his notes that he thinks they're going to have to rely on the arm of Matt Ryan, and I agree with that. I think early on in the game, they're going to try and run the ball a little bit, play defense as much as they can, but once they start getting down, it's going to go back into those shootouts like we saw uh, with them against Dallas last year. That's kind of the big one that stands out in my mind, whether it was week two or three, I think, where they ended up getting up like big on Dallas. Dallas comes all the way back. It was like a big shootout. They get the, the – fumble the onside kick or completely mess that up, allowed Dallas to win. But I'm with you. I don't think Davis is an RB1. I actually would lean like 20 to 24. I, I don't think he makes it inside the top 20 just because I think they get behind. And I also agree with you on the San Francisco thing. Like I like Raheem Mostert, gets injured a lot, like Trey Sermon. 
I need to see it from Trey Sturman at this level before I'm going to buy into him. And Mike Davis proved it last year. And while I do agree with Dennis that it's going to be a committee, Javian Hawkins is very undersized. So is Jarrett. I'm pretty sure it's Jarrett Patterson. Is that correct? Is there other one? No, it's Corderell Patterson. Oh, God. Why do I keep forgetting about Cordell? Jarrett Patterson's in Washington. Cordell. No, I still don't see Cordell doing anything either. And then – Quadri Allison, I mean, that was Dennis's guy a couple of years ago, but he has yet to do anything really. So while it yeah. may be somewhat of a committee, I think Mike Davis is going to be the lead bag, like at worst, a 70-30 split somehow. And so I'm definitely going to buy into him more than I would the San Francisco backfield. Julio well, is, thing, 100, 195 carries for Todd Gurley last year. He only had 678 yards. He ended up with nine touchdowns because they were kind of battering, ramming him into the end zone. Do they do that again? Who knows? That kind of shows you three, three and a half yards of carry. Part of that was we thought Curly had lost a step, but their line's not incredible. Yeah. Julio Jones is gone. What do we expect from Ridley and is Gage or any other receiver someone you want to play? Calvin Ridley finished last year as wide receiver five, 90 receptions, 1,374 yards and nine touchdowns. Russell Gage finishes wide receiver 37, 72 receptions, 786 yards and four touchdowns. Dennis said, I'd guess Gage finishes somewhere in the range of wide receiver 26 to 36. Cooper Cup was wide receiver 26 last season with 124 catches, 92 wait. 124 targets, 92 catches for 974 yards and three touchdowns. So I'm assuming he thinks Gage can do something close to what Cooper Cup was able to produce. He also said that Ridley had already ascended to the top of the depth chart. He is in for a 160 target season. What are your thoughts on Ridley and the rest of these receivers? I mean, Ridley played 15 games, saw 143 targets last year. So uh, especially adding an extra game, 160 might be selling it uh, a little bit short. Russell Gage is more of a question to me. I think I think Ridley's going to be good. He was good last year. I think he will probably finish as a wide receiver one. I don't know if he gets all the way up to five. I th- I'm more and more concerned that Atlanta's offense is going to be less – prodigious and a lot of the hope is probably, I I mean, I know Ridley had some really incredible games when um, Julio was out last year and that was, that was good. He's definitely got a lot of talent. He's going to get the best from every team all the time. They probably have even less of a threat of a running game. You know, last year you might have still thought Todd Gurley by name, you know, might've, Done, done something. I think their running game is even less of a threat. I, I would guess if you were sitting back, we hope Kyle Pitts is going to develop. It usually takes tight ends a little bit of time to get going, even ones that we like a lot. You know, we saw flashes from Noah Fant and TJ Hawkinson as rookies, but they didn't totally hit the consistent heights. And considering Atlanta's offense is a work in progress, I would say almost every team Atlanta plays is going to be scheming to try to take Calvin Ridley out. He probably won't be successful in eliminating him entirely. But does that knock him back to the wide receiver 10 to 10 to 12 range as opposed to wide receiver 5? There's some of that potential out to see how it goes. I'm not as big of a believer in Russell Gage. I know he had 109 targets last year. I think they may actually start diverting those targets to Kyle Pitts and not eat as much away from Hayden Hurst. I think they may try to use 
two tight ends and move them around. I didn't think Russell Gage was incredibly impressive last year. I'd see him more as a low-end wide receiver three or a wide receiver four. I'm with you on Gage. I think at best wide receiver three. Um, where do you have off the top of your head Calvin Ridley? I'll, I'll give you mine and, and that way if you need to look. I have him at seven right now. Uh, so I do think that he's going to be in for another good season. I agree with you. I think he probably finishes – I don't think he finishes top five. I mean, I still – I'm going to be honest. Whether Rodgers is there or not in Green Bay, Devontae Adams is still going to be in my top five. Tyreek Hill, <sighs> Stephon Diggs, even though I think Diggs could take a step back, I think he probably up there. DeAndre Hopkins – you know, and actually, there's a lot of questions. Me, DK, AJ Brown, Justin Jefferson, Godwin. Yeah, I mean, to me, there's a range anywhere between you know probably five and fourteen that I I could sell myself. I I haven't finished doing 2021. Initially, after the the trade, I was I started to worry a little bit about Ridley. I've come back around a little bit. I think he's in the wide receiver one. Some of it's probably going to depend on touchdowns. Um, yeah. And that's where, you know, how good is this team going to be in the red zone? Do they try to use Pitts and and Hurst more in the red zone or pile driving with Mike Davis? Ridley had nine touchdowns last year, but we saw sometimes the difference between Julio Jones being a top five wide receiver and a lower yeah. wide receiver one was he didn't get the touchdown opportunities. Yes, uh, I, I would go – I don't think he falls out of the top 12. I just think Ridley's that talented. You know, I agree with you. He's definitely going to get the best matchup every week. Guys are going to go at him. He proved himself last year to be the top wide receiver, so he's going to get everybody's best every single week. And he doesn't have the benefit of having a Julio opposite of him now in games, and I do think that helps at times. Because I still think even when Julio was out there, yes, he produced when Julio wasn't. When Julio was out there, I would imagine he didn't get the best cornerback every single time. Maybe they went back and forth between the two. So he's going to be the guy all year long. Doesn't matter what Kyle Pitts does. It's going to be Ridley every single week as the one in that offense. So I still think he's going to be able to produce at worst 12. But I think I'm, I've got him at seven right now. And I think there's, there's a realistic shot he finishes anywhere after I just named him anywhere in that five to 12 range. And so still wide receiver one. So that that's good for him. Speaking of Kyle Pitts, he's here. What do you expect from Pitts, and what about Hayden Hurst? Hayden Hurst finished last year as tight end 10. Still don't know how that happened. 56 receptions, 571 yards, and six touchdowns. Dennis said that I think we will see a lot of both guys. Hurst will be the traditional, and Pitts will move out wide. I think Pitts has a really good year but isn't a conventional tight end. Hurst could push low-end tight end one numbers, but I'm not counting on it. How do you view the tight ends? Yeah, I think they're both going to be involved, especially now that Julio Jones has gone. The real question would have been if you had Julio and Ridley, you know, how does that split work? I think Kyle Pitts will have a decent season, but probably be a, around a low end tight end one. In Dynasty, he's top five for me. I think I had him as yeah. tight end four right now. But in terms of rookie year production, I think he'll probably have a season closer to where Hayden Hurst finished, have some really good games, have some games where it's a learning curve. Uh, he's probably going to be between 8 and 12. 
I think Hurst is going to be involved. I would put him more as a lock to be in the, the mid to low tight end too. I, I think he's going to have some of his targets pull away. I think he's going to diminish on touchdowns, which is probably what helped fault him up to that tight end two or that tight end 10 position. Um, and he'll probably be more of the blocker or the traditional tight end. Yeah, I I mean, I have to do it. I'm all in on Pitts being like a top five tight end this year. I need him to have an incredible season because I don't want to sing a fight song or anything like that. Um, even if he's not, I agree with you. I don't think there's any way he falls outside of the top 12. He's just too talented. I know the argument for most is we don't see tight ends usually produce in their first year. They actually go back every single year. There's usually at least one tight end that does pretty good. Hawkinson, I think Hawkinson and Fant at times, both before injuries, were actually producing uh, fairly well their freshman – I always say freshman, rookie seasons uh, uh, before they got hurt. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Evan Ingram is obviously the more famous example where it was really good his rookie season. We haven't seen the same guy since. Go ahead. But I think if you were looking for a positive sign, think of what he did with Johnny Smith um, – Last year may not be your favorite guy, but in the red zone, John Smith ends up vaulting up the tight end rankings because he caught eight touchdowns. He didn't have a ton of receptions and yardage maybe, but he moved up there because he was a huge target that they maximized in small spaces. No, I love John Smith. I just felt like they didn't use him the correct Mm -hmm. way. I mean, you would see the – creative play calling at time, getting him the ball in the run game, having him run certain routes, and then like they would go like four games of him not getting even targeted twice. They all of a sudden Anthony Berkser's going out there. So if that's what Arthur Smith does with Pitts, I'm screwed. And I, that's possible because Hayden Hurst is not garbage. Uh, but I, I do think Pitts is going to have a really good season. I'm banking on him having a well, magnificent season. And your argument for Hurst is probably he's playing for a contract because they declined his fifth-year yep. option. I forgot he was a first-round pick. They yeah. declined his fifth-year option, so he knows this is it, which, you know, if drafting Kyle Pitts wasn't a shot across the bow, that certainly uh, yeah, firmed exactly. up his place. But he's going to want to show show what he can do. And he did get better, I thought, in the back half. The, I think the problem for you, we, we kind of went in because we liked the opportunity. We'd seen what Hooper did. It took a yeah. little while for him to seemingly build that chemistry with Matt Ryan. But he should come in with a chemistry advantage, um, you know, over a Pitts. Uh, he well, was so arguably more impressive than Gage down the stretch. That's my one argument I was trying to make last night on Debbie debate because we talked a lot about the Julio Jones trade and everything on there. That's why I'm so high on Pitts. I mean, you get rid of Julio Jones. So now, as you just mentioned, Pitts has got almost has to become a focal point of this offense because they don't have, at least both in our opinions, I know Dennis likes Gage a little bit, but, you know, o- Ozamita, Zacharias, whatever, Ozzy, whatever. Zachary, yeah, Zachary, there we go. Whatever his name is. Uh, no powerful Oz. To you. Yeah, I called him Oz last year. I'll stick with that because your name is too hard for me to pronounce. Uh, you know, I'm not a, you know, I think he's an okay receiver. Same with Russell Gage. It's the best receivers on their team, though, in my opinion, are Calvin Ridley and Kyle Pitts. And what you just mentioned is my key thing with Pitts. Look at what Austin Hooper was able to do with, with Matt Ryan. I think Kyle Pitts could do that plus some because he's the better athlete overall, and they're going to move him around the formation. I do think Hayden Hurst is still going to be decent this year. I agree with you, probably tied into, because I think, when they get down into the red zone, as you just mentioned, I mean, you you know those defenses are going to be keying in on Kyle Pitts and Calvin Ridley. So if they're not running the ball with Mike Davis, 
Maybe they can get, you know, uh, Hurst to get in there and fake it on a block and then kind of cut out and then get in open and, and get, a, get a touchdown here or there. So I think he can finish as a tight end too, but I think Pitts is – you know, you're going to have to take him as like a top five pick anyways in your, in your rookie drafts. I think he's going to bring back that value. I would not be surprised with, you know, the way we've seen Kittle hurt. Darren Waller, I think, still going to be up there. Obviously, Kelsey is it's just – he's the Tom Brady of tight ends. He's never going to go away. Um, who else? Who am I missing up there at the top? Hawkinson. Hawkinson's probably in for a good year, and then I, I'd put him right there. I mean, I'd put Pitts with Hawkinson right now. So Waller and Kelsey, because I mean, I love George Kittle, but I'm always worried about the he plays the tight end position like a linebacker. So I'm always a little worried how healthy he's going to stay. If I know he's healthy for the entire season, then yes, I would say I think he is for sure going to be above Pitts. I mean, but I would go ahead. that that's that's the thing. If you're talking about just for for 2021. There's a group of people that you could put Kyle Pitts in that all has. I, I'm actually gonna say that it's for. I'm still gonna, you, you know, you don't usually project for injury, so I'm gonna say if Kittle stays on the field like he did in 2019, he's up there. And I liked what Hawkinson did and the complete lack of options in Detroit. But then there's a group, you know, a Goddard. We don't know what's gonna happen with yeah. with Zach Ertz, Logan Thomas. We don't know how much does having Fitzpatrick help and how much does having other actual wide receivers hurt? Robert Tanyan was a TD wonder. If Aaron Rodgers is gone, boy, that makes you scared. We still don't know what happens with the two Patriots tight end. I love Noah Fant's talent. Does he have a quarterback? You know, and I say that as a Denver Broncos fan who's still hoping for the best with Drew Locke. He also has plenty of competition. So you're looking at those guys that all have potential and then, you know, maybe the sneaky one is if if Dallas decides that they're only going to use one tight end. I mean, yeah. they had a tight end one last year because they gave 89 targets to a tight end while still giving 100 targets apiece to those receivers and 71 targets to Zeke. I just looked at the Dallas tight end today. I was like, oh, my God. Yeah. There is, I mean, there's potential. There's people you don't see. Like last year, Tanya, we didn't see that coming. You know, we were as Jay Sternberger would be the year. No, Robert Tanya catches 12 touchdowns. So there's always those wild cards. Pitts is in that mix. And, you know, if Pitts had a hybrid of a Corey Davis and Johnny Smith season where he saw more targets and got the receptions and yardage, but still was a huge focus in the red zone, he could end up being a top three tight end. You just yeah. you never know. Yeah, I mean, I would I would bank on him finishing top five just because, you know, everything we've talked about here, bad offensive line, probably going to be behind in every single game, don't have much outside of Calvin Ridley. I, I just think, you know, it would be, I think a, it's fair to say a disappointing season for most fantasy owners if he doesn't finish at least top five at tight end. So I think that's probably worst case scenario just based on what we're seeing now obviously we can't account for injuries so assuming he stays healthy top five i think is is at worst where you're likely looking at for kyle Pitts. so that will do it for us today uh we appreciate you guys listening i always i never really say this anymore but if you guys have time give us a rate and review as uh i mentioned at the beginning of the episode we are with campus to canton now so you may be listening to this on our feed it also drops on campus to canton as well so the new listeners there can get a little taste of us we will have two pre-recorded episodes next week as I will be on vacation. We will be talking about the AFC South with the 
Colts and somebody going first because I can't Tennessee. remember off the top of my head. Tennessee. Tennessee, yeah. it's because that trade wrecked our. And then like, uh, obviously the Texans and the Jags, the second episode on Thursday. And then the Monday after, which is the 20 something. What is that? I don't even know. I'm, uh, my whole schedule is oh, off here. Yeah, it is it would June be 21st. The, well, June 21st, we would talk about the NFC West Seahawks and Rams. Matt, Dennis, and myself will be back live again on that day. So until also, then. Also, since we pre recorded. You can now know for a certainty that next Wednesday is the day that Deshaun Watson gets put on the commissioner's exempt list. Orchestrated your Denver Broncos. You know, apparently that's where he wants please, to go. Play. Please, please stop. I'm just saying, all right. Until next, what is it? Monday the 21st. So in 11 days, we will see you guys live again. Enjoy your weekend. Enjoy your upcoming week. We'll talk to you guys again soon. Prepare for glory. I don't know if you got your popcorn ready. Who can make a play? I can! Who can make a play? I can!